A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen. I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. A desert seems like a strange metaphor to describe what God is doing in the world. I mean, a desert is kind of a wilderness place. But that's exactly how Isaiah introduces the story of salvation in our first reading, calling God's people to rejoice because what he's doing is he is transforming a wilderness into an oasis, a dry and parched land into a garden. In this beautiful poetic imagery that Isaiah uses, he wants to describe for us that God is at work, especially in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible often uses the understanding of the wilderness as a fearful place, the place of the world that we live in and the, we operate. We may not necessarily always think that, but it is because it's filled with dangers and darkness, enticement and death. But Isaiah assures us as he calls us to rejoice in our God, to be strong, fear not, here is your God. He is coming to save you. Waters are going to break forth in the wilderness. Streams are going to flow in the dry land. God is at work creating an oasis. And where is this oasis? It's a good question. It is found in the body of Jesus Christ. It is found where two or three gather, as Jesus said, in my name. It is found as 
Jesus' people gather around His life-giving Word and His life-giving Supper. It is here, in this oasis, that lives are being transformed. He nourishes us. He feeds us. He quenches our thirst. So what's the difference between an oasis and a mirage? A mirage and accounts of people who have been in wilderness and deserts will tell you it looks real. It looks real and you want to get to it. It entices the eyes. A mirage whets our appetites, but it can never deliver. A mirage is simply an illusion. It's a charade. An oasis, a true oasis, provides shelter and water and rest and healing. It's there. It's real. A mirage fashioned by our own desires and appetites can never change us or transform us. In fact, those who endlessly search for a mirage, they'll die. In the oasis of God, it's interesting that this transformation of our lives, in theological terms we may call it a sanctification, as God brings his healing power into our broken lives by his word and supper, this transformation in the oasis of God can at times be, let me just say, painful. It may involve suffering. Patience and suffering are exactly what the two other readings for this third Sunday of Advent tell us about. In his epistle, St. James instructs us to do what? To cultivate a life of patience as we live in this oasis. He points out the examples first of a farmer. And you think of a farmer who has to cultivate the soil, plant the seed, wait for the rains, wait for the ripened crop. Nothing that the farmer can do will hasten the ripening process. He has to be patient. James also uses the prophets of the Old Testament as an example of patience and suffering because they listened to the Word of God and they were obedient to that Word, many of those prophets suffered greatly. I just think of the life of Jeremiah called at a very young age and what he experienced in his life. Patience and suffering are never popular. They never have been. And my brothers and sisters, they never will be. But our Lord, when He calls a man or woman to come, He calls us to come and die with Him he calls us to not sit in a lazy boy lounger, but to carry what? A cross. James goes on, he says, don't grumble against each other. Don't complain. <laughs> How practical. Why? Because you know, things don't always go our way. I mean, think of the children of Israel. There was a group of people that grumbled and complained. Look what happened to them in the wilderness of all places. You see, things happen 
And sometimes, because others don't do what I want, it's hard to get along with people, and it's easy to grumble and complain, not only about others, but with God himself. Which brings us to the gospel reading. St. John, that mighty preacher that we heard last week calling us to repentance and renewal, he's saying that the Messiah is going to come with a winnowing fork in his hand. He's going to clear the threshing floor. He's coming. Watch out. The day of the Lord is at hand. That mighty preacher attracting thousands by the shores of the Jordan now resides in a lonely prison cell. And in that prison cell, he is occupied. He's haunted by doubts and by fears. He begins to wonder, did I make a mistake? The reports he's hearing about Jesus of Nazareth, the one whom he said is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he's not the mighty judge that is with the threshing floor and clearing all this, what's he doing? Did I make a mistake? So he sends his disciples with a simple question. Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for somebody else? At times, questions and doubts are part of our journey as we live in this world, in this wilderness and in this oasis that we find here. Like John, anybody who's walked with the Lord for any length of time knows that unexpected things happen. Things completely out of the blue. Things that can just take the rug out from under our feet. And in those times, we begin to wonder, God, what are you doing? Or like the psalmist, where is God? God, have you forsaken me? And we can find ourselves like John in a proverbial prison cell. A wilderness landscape, lonely, trapped by our fears, perhaps trapped by a sense of hopelessness, maybe trapped by addictions. Or even some of us can be trapped by our own self-pity. We, like John, can doubt Jesus. Well, John then gets word back. Jesus' answer is this. Tell John what you hear and see. Because this is happening in his ministry. The blind are regaining their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And good news is proclaimed to the poor. And then almost as a word to John specifically, he says, and blessed is he who takes no offense at me. 
John, I am the Messiah. My ministry is on my terms. My ministry is the fulfillment of all that has been spoken. So Jesus' answer was a, the testimony of a transformed life, of lives that are being renewed whole, restored to normal, and that good news is being proclaimed to people who never heard any good news before. Jesus is the Messiah who comes to transform our deserts into an oasis. He changes broken, repentant lives into beautiful lives, into holy lives, wholly devoted to Him, who by His very body and blood offered on the cross and on this altar is now transforming the dust of our desert into a beautiful garden. And he does that through repentance and his unconditional forgiving love and unconditional forgiveness for you. Several years ago, I was at a uh, Lutheran conference and they showed a short video entitled, You Make Beautiful Things Out of Dust. The video really stuck with me. It uh, was very powerful and compelling and meaningful. And so I want to share that with you now.
Not much more to say, but God makes beautiful things.